This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes, or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living, and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing, and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in, and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello, hello, how are you doing? Welcome to the Sustainable-ish podcast. Thank you so much as ever for tuning in. How's it going? If you've just had half term, how was it for you? More or less stressful than homeschooling? (laughs) I'm going with less stressful. As long as we got out for a daily walk, I pretty much left the kids to it. And I've been able to crack on in my role as tour guide for the Knackered Mums Eco Tour, which I have to say is already a firm highlight of 2021. Okay, so I know that maybe 2021 hasn't really put up much else in the way of competition as highlights for the year, but honestly, it has been an amazing week and it's been heartwarming and lots of other cheesy cliches. At the time of recording, it's Wednesday, so we're halfway through the week. There are over 500 amazing women on the bus by which I mean in the Facebook group, with a collective saving of at least 17 tonnes of carbon dioxide already, which is pretty epic. Right then, today's episode, you will be relieved to hear we have a guest, so you don't have to listen to me rambling on endlessly, and not just any old guest, an absolute cracker of a guest. I have been stalking Zoe Edwards online in a non-stalkery, hopefully, fashion for years, after first coming across her annual Me Made May challenge, that's quite a mouthful to say, Me Made May, um, online, which is all about actually wearing the clothes that you might make and I was so excited to find out recently that she's written an actual book that's just come out a book all about mending and loving our clothes a subject very close to my heart as a reformed non-mender who never even thought she would be able to sew on a button we're chatting about making your own clothes and my, why that might not always be the most sustainable option, as well as how to mend them and how to get started. And Zoe's fabulous book, Mend It, Wear It, Love It. Enjoy. Hello, Zoe. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I'm so excited. Um, I have been stalking you online. <laughs> for quite a long time Thank you. <laughs> so it's really lovely to actually um speak in person and to to catch yeah, up I so I was trying to work out when I was first aware of you it must it couldn't have been that long after you did your year of not buying anything new it must well, have that's been ages isn't it that was yeah. like eight years ago I know <laughs> um so tell introduce yourself tell us all about you Hello, well, my name is Zoe Edwards. Um, I am a writer and sewing teacher and sewing blogger. 
and knackered mum. <laughs> and um, I, yeah, I have been blogging about um, sewing um, with a bent of on sustainability for about 13 years now. Wow. And um, pre-COVID times, I was teaching sewing and dressmaking classes um, for about eight years. And um, since COVID, I'm now a writer. <laughs> <laughs> Does that feel really weird to say you're a writer? It feels very good. It feels very good because I feel like I have been writing yes. my blog and what have you um, and contributing to other blogs and writing the odd little article on and off for years, you know. And um, But now we've, I've got something that you can actually hold up, you know, <laughs> have on a shelf. Somehow I'm allowed to say writer now and that makes me feel very grown up. Yeah. So we're going to talk about your amazing book. Um but I just want to say, how old are your kids? They are seven and four. Ouch. Mm. <laughs> how's, how's homeschooling going? <laughs> um, how is it going? Do you know what? It's not going too bad. It's not going too bad. Uh, we like to hit the morning, like really hard. Mm. Get most of it done in the morning when energy's up. Yeah. And then it can all just descend in the afternoon, mm. but it doesn't matter because most of it's under control and has been submitted and yeah I find that that works better just trying to it's tricky isn't it trying yeah. to kind of feel the energy of the room you know? <laughs> <laughs> there is no energy in my room most of the time <laughs> no that's the coffee the coffee is bringing the energy for me and it helps me deal with their energy <laughs> um now you failed to mention me made may which I think is probably one of the ways that I came across you right which is like an internet sensation. So tell us about that. <laughs> so Me Made May is a personal challenge that you can sign up to, be, to participate in. Um, it started, I'm, um, I want to say 12 years ago. Woo! Yeah, it started, oh God, where has all this time gone? So it started as a personal challenge that I did myself. Um, I was living in Spain at the time and I'd been spending a lot of time really um learning to make uh, different types of garments I was really getting into sewing my own clothes I tried making lots of different types of garments that I'd been used to so I'd started getting used to working with jersey I started making um undies I'd started I'm try. you know I made a coat so I'd been really pushing my skills and learning new skills to make kind of a uh you know a range of clothes and then um there was still some kind of disconnect I was having between the clothes that I was making and kind of how I was feeling about them. In a way, I almost didn't kind of see them as real clothes somehow, yeah. or I couldn't really, I don't know, I felt quite self-conscious sometimes when I was wearing them, even though, you know, from the external eye, they looked like clothes and they were yeah. functioning like clothes. I was still having a bit of a personal disconnect. And I feel that that's probably something to do with how it's um these days it's quite an unusual hobby mm. to have um most people don't make their clothes and are very surprised to hear that people do make their mm. clothes and so I feel it was the external kind of yeah more of like a societal influence was what was kind of um holding me back from really kind of embracing these these clothes that I was making so um I thought you know how, how can I change that and I was really inspired by an artist uh, I can't pronounce her surname, but I think her name is Natalie Pershwitz. 
I want to say okay. that, a Canadian artist. And she had this amazing year. God, this must have been, I want to say maybe 2008. I don't know. Where she uh, she has a very, very distinctive look. And she very much comes from, from more of an art background. But she she was really experimenting with wearing only things she made. And I was thinking, but I make things. I could wear them. <laughs> so I kind of interpreted it in my own way. And I gave myself the challenge in March, I guess it was 2009, um, to only wear things that I made myself, excluding bras and socks and tights and mm-hmm. shoes. Everything else was things that I... Um, even I pants. Then. Even pants. Even pants. Yes, I know. Um, but they can look crazy, though, can't they? Because no one yeah. sees those. So that's the, <laughs> that's the least of my worries, really, the pants. Um, so I did that for a month. And it was very boring and I was very cold <laughs> because even though I was living in Spain, it still gets pretty cold in March in Spain. Um, so, <laughs> and I only had like two warmish tops. I had like a rubbish cardigan I'd made and a rubbish jumper I made. And I just alternate them. So I got pretty bored, but I did it and it was really fun. And I shared my um, daily photos on my blog and I had people commenting, you know, finding it in- interesting. So at the end of the month, I thought, let's try it again in a slightly warmer month. (laughs) And then I put out on my blog, would anyone like to um, join me? You know, so I'm saying you don't have to necessarily wear only things you've made. You could do like a light version where maybe you wear one garment a day or something like Mm. that. Um, And I kind of expected it would just be like a few people, you know, taking part. And we could all just like check each other's because this was before Instagram, you know. Yes. Like go and visit each other's blogs and see how everyone's getting on. But it ended up, I can't remember exactly how many, but it was something like 80 people signed up, which was crazy. Um, And then that was super fun. That was really, really fun. And um, yeah, I really learned to embrace the things that I've made. I learned to, you know, combine my clothes in different ways to get more use from them Mm. and stuff I really felt that I was getting closer to how I wanted to to present myself to the world you Mm. know the kind of style and stuff that um I wanted to to be to be experimenting with um so yeah so that was really fun and then it took a couple of years for it ending up to be only in May. There was a right. couple of experiments. There was some self-stitched Septembers in there. and stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. But after a while, yeah. So after a couple of years, it ended up as being like an annual thing that we did every May. And people could, once again, this is still before Instagram. So people could go to my blog and I had a little template of a pledge. So it said like, I, insert name here, mm. pledge to wear whatever your pledge is yeah um for the month of may and uh people would like copy that and paste it either onto their blog if they have one or in the comments of my blog post you know and um and yeah so I had people all signing up to do their personal pledge um they didn't have to take photos if they didn't want to um some chose to some chose you know not to you, it could be you know as private or as public as you mm. want but the purpose of it was and and kind of is still today just basically to improve your relationship with your handmade wardrobe you know so for some people that might be um yeah like wearing things that they they really feel reflects them you know mm. really you know, a lot oftentimes people um you know like they make these like awesome dresses or what have you but 
in real life they mm. only wear jeans yes so it's kind of some people find it useful to kind of um address that disconnect you know yes. maybe wear the dresses more or you start to make jeans or something <laughs> in between you know so people can pledge to do whatever they want however they feel it's going to help mm. them achieve what they want to achieve so for example the last couple of years I've had the same pledge which has been to um not wear the same combination of clothes every day so so scuppered I literally wear jumper a couple of tops underneath depending on how cold it is exactly and that's exactly the same for me so by doing that it kind of forces me to kind of spend a little bit of not even that long you know not that much longer time in the morning just kind of trying to club together a different outfit it doesn't always work sometimes it's terrible but sometimes I find like some real winning combinations in there and then I can then think for the rest of the year I know that those jeans go with that top yeah or that that's good actually looks quite good with that blouse or whatever you know so yeah. it's really however people want to use it some people really like the um I don't know and then so sorry blah, blah, blah. so <laughs> So then as it's kind of progressed, like as the years have progressed, it then kind of became, because be- the community got quite big mm. um, and we kind of moved on to Flickr. Remember Flickr? <laughs> <laughs> so we had a kind of a community on Flickr. So if people wanted to share their, um, you know, documentation of their pledges that they could. And, and that was a nice kind of community hub that we had over there for a while. And then when Instagram kind of became more of a thing and became more of a home for the online sewing community, um, hashtags appeared. And um, and now I think that there's thousands of people that take mm. part every year. People, some, As I say, some people choose to take photos, some people don't, and that's totally fine. Some people like to take photos, but they either put their garments, so, you know, they do like those cool flat lays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. rubbish at those, but they yeah. amazing. So some people choose to do that. Some people put their garments, you know, like a, on a dress form or a mannequin or something. Um, yeah, some people choose not to take photos at all. And that's awesome, whatever. And and it's been such a positive, lovely thing. And it's kind of almost developed into kind of a celebration of like the mm. handmade kind of community. It's almost like a bit of a month long party as well. And people yeah. find new people to follow, you know, and people get inspired by things that they want to make in the future. And and lots yeah. of people report loads of really good um, benefits. Like I feel more confident in the things I wear or, you know, like I've got a better body image now. Wow. Because, you know, yeah, it's really wonderful. It's really, really positive. If it wasn't positive, I wouldn't have yeah. been able to do it for 12 years <laughs> because, you know, I'm, I'm from, from from an external perspective sort of looking in it does it definitely feels like it's raised the profile of of handmade clothes as you say it's lots of people might um might sew and do you know the odd cushion cover or the odd bit of bunting for the kids or whatever but actually yeah. that idea of making clothes I I mean I never thought I was in any way creative and I and I hadn't like we didn't do any sewing at school my mum didn't sew and I decided randomly after having our first I wanted to learn to sew and yeah and sort of went to a learn to love your sewing machine course and did all the basics and then I was like oh, I'm gonna and then the next course she did was like a dressmaking one I was like okay yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do it I'm gonna make a skirt and I and I made this skirt like I don't wear skirts I don't know why I made a skirt no why do we all make skirts I never I know. Wear skirts. And I just couldn't believe that I'd made this thing 
that I could wear and it wouldn't fall apart, that I could I put in the washing machine and it still came <laughs> out like in one piece. Like it just blew my mind. And I don't know. It's kind of witchcraft, isn't it? If there's this complete disconnect, because obviously all our clothes are made and they're made by somebody. Yeah, with hands for some reason, and a yeah. sewing machine, just like you've got hands and a yeah. sewing machine. <laughs> but, you know, and I genuinely thought before I sort of found out about fast fashion and things that, our clothes must be made on a machine, like a big factory machine. And that, that you know, there might be a few people making yeah. sure the machine was working okay. But it yeah. just never crossed my mind that, as you said, there's there's women, usually women, sat there with yeah. a sewing machine, with the same pair of hands that you've got. Yeah. And, and Doing those processes, yeah. doing those seams, finishing those seam allowances, exactly, pressing that thing. It's mad, exactly. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's all just a series of processes. And one of the differences is when, you know, it's uh, mass-produced, uh, there's probably one woman who just does the side seam yes. and then there's then there's one person that's just then pressing that side seam and then it goes on to someone yeah, who's just yeah, yeah. fitting in the zip and what have you the difference is when we're sewing garments at home we do all those processes mm. ourselves. yeah and we've got no one to blame when it goes wrong <laughs> and um, you can celebrate when it all goes right yes um, now you're sat we're on zoom and I can see your gorgeous clothes that you're wearing are they Zoe made yes <laughs> yes they are yeah I'm gonna have to take a screenshot to show it to, to put on the hold on a minute it says um I'm usually wearing stripes and a mustard cardi that tends to be now that cardi <laughs> my uniform um it's like a sort of honeycomb quilted thing did you do the quilting or was that no, already quilted? no this is some fabric oh, that, I for that. that um is kind of pre-quilted no, so I it's like you're gonna say you've done it and I was like oh my god oh no 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 um I have made, I've recently just made, and I can't wait for it to be warm enough to wear it. I did make a quilted jacket, but the quilting is like that far, the lines are that far apart. It's not, I couldn't, Yeah, I could do something, but that would be, yeah, that'd be a job of work. But yeah, because I don't really knit, although I am starting. Oh. So for cardigans, I tend to use, yeah, like thicker knit fabric, yeah. you know. And also nowadays, because when I started, like Me Made May, for example, when I started to really get into sewing my own clothing there was there was not that many sewing pattern companies right. out there there was like the big four like the the simplicity Vogue, mm. McCall's um and there was like starting to be one or two independent mm. sewing pattern companies and now there are thousands yeah. producing like pretty much any awesome design you can imagine is is available in sewn pattern form now yeah so when I only had my two rubbish warm tops that's because there wasn't really that many patterns to make a jumper yeah. make an, uh, a sewn together cardigan but now like it's it's yeah pretty much any design you can see in the shop you can find a sewing pattern yeah. the same or very very similar so yeah so to be as good as you I feel like I need to have been sewing since I, you know, before I could crawl type thing. Did you, how did you, how did you learn? Well, I had, I mean, I have to I always, I don't know why I feel the need to do this, but I always need to qualify the fact that, yes, I'm good at sewing, but I can't do anything else. Like, <laughs> I don't have any other skills. I don't have any other occupations. You know, like, this is what I do. And I've spent a lot of time doing it because it's my hobby and it's been my job. So I don't know why I feel the need to qualify that. Thank you for the compliment. I will accept it. But then I need to deflect it by saying, 
I can't do anything else. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I I actually came. From, I was kind of unusual in that I came from a family where sewing was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my nan was actually a seamstress. She uh, made co- she was in the reserved occupations in, in the Second World War, oh, making wow. like coats for soldiers. Wow. Um, and then my mum, uh, she was um, a seamstress, and uh, she did a lot of um, right repairs and alterations mm. when I was really little. Um, she's and my mum's tiny, so she's really um, always altering clothes. She yeah. tends to get a lot of stuff from charity shops or you know from other shops, and she's always you know shortening sleeves and shortening hems and mm. stuff. So where so sewing was always in my family. But they didn't, it wasn't really, the way it was kind of part of the family, it wasn't necessarily like an expressive form of right. something to yes. do. No, it was Very just functional. like what you did yeah. for clothing or to make clothing fit. It wasn't like fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that was different. Yeah, so I did know the basics of sewing from when I was little, you know, making dolls clothes like everybody else does probably. Um, and then I then as a teenager tried lots of other kind of creative disciplines, you know, tried my hand at lots of different things. And it took a while for me to come back to sewing as the creative discipline that was, you know, for me, that was, was mm. expressive, you know? And then I went to, um, I went to university and studied fashion design and really loved it, but kind of discovered I was not so much of a designer and I was better at the kind of practical aspects Mm -hmm. like pattern cutting and and the manufacture. That's really where, uh, you know, the, 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 the part that I really enjoyed. Mm. So, um, but I was always kind of doing some sewing on the side, like right from when I was at university, I had like a little like bag range, you know, I'd make some bags and sell them in through shops yeah. and what have you. So I kind of always had that on the go. And then I ended up doing some of the stupid jobs after university, but then finally got into the fashion industry because that's what I thought you were meant to do, mm. you know, especially because that was what the, the degree course was tailoring us towards, you know, it was... um basically make turning us into or meant to be turning us into people to work in the in the clothing industry Mm. so I did eventually uh, get into the clothing industry and I had a few jobs doing various different things to do with production Um, and in the fact the last job that I had when I was about 27 I think was for a company based in the East End that was uh, manufacturing clothing in Romania and it was very much for the low end of the high street so mm. real I, we weren't using the term fast fashion at the time yeah. you know but it was basically fast fashion so my job was a production assistant so my job was to make sure that all the elements that go into making a garment apart from the fabric so hangers the plastic covers um hanging loops zips buttons thread uh garment labels Mm. all those were in the right quantity in the right factory at the right right time so that was my job um and it was kind of tricky because the clothing sorry the um fabric manufacturer would deliver the fabric from china and we didn't always know the exact amount of fabric that was going to arrive okay so to make sure that there was an if so even more fabric did arrive the factory could make more garments and yeah. the, it was under the contract then the shops would then have to take them so we'd earn more money. So 
to stop that, you know, to make that possible, I had to make sure that there was always extra of everything right. that we were doing. So there's always, I can't remember exactly, but something like 15% extra oh, wow. of everything. Like we're talking like thousands yeah, yeah, yeah. for every order. And uh, they were just building up and building up and building up and building up in these factories in Romania. And I, I couldn't see them. I couldn't yeah. go and count them. I couldn't say, right, okay, can you use those for this order now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they didn't have time. They didn't care. They, you yeah. know, they weren't interested in counting plastic bags for me so they could do them <laughs> for another order, you know. So I felt really uncomfortable that I knew all this waste was, wow. was mm. there, you know. And also I was responsible for um creating the the wording on the care labels you know oh, yeah so I would receive the test report for the fabric which was like an external company that did tested the fabric and then they would do it for all the different things you know like pilling and fading mm, uh, mm. and all that and then I'd get the results and I'd have to translate that into like you know like the care labels yeah 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 um so I could see how bad the fabric was wow. I could see how it wasn't gonna last very long yeah. and um once again, we weren't using the word fast fashion at the time, but the whole thing was super uns- unsustainable. And yeah. it was just at the time where I was really starting to think myself about trying to live more sustainably. Once again, that wasn't a term we were using. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think what we were using, but yeah, I was starting to be, you know, more mindful of the way that yeah. I was in, in relation to the impact that I was having. Um, and it was just like at absolute odds with yeah. what I was doing at work. So I quit. <laughs> See that, but that's really hard, isn't it? Because I think a lot of people, you end up in jobs that, you know, as you grow and change and your values develop and things, suddenly you're like, crap, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, And actually to to make that jump, you sort of went, oh, and I quit. But that, I mean, that must have been a big decision. And that's pretty brave, you know, because it's like, well, well, what else can I do? Because I'm trained to work within this fashion industry that is probably all inherently like this. Yeah, I was so unhappy there, though. I was so unhappy in that situation. I couldn't stay. So, yeah, it was Ah. terrifying. I was terrified. I felt so sick, but I I couldn't really do anything else. So I then ran away to Spain for a couple of years, (laughs) which I do not regret. Um, And then when I met my now husband there um, and we moved, oh, he's, he's English, but we then decided to move back to the UK after a couple of years and chose Brighton. And I was super, super lucky that within a few months, I was able, I found a job working for the textiles um, recycling company Trade. Oh, yeah. Charity Trade. Mm. So they had a line, I don't know if they still do, but they had a line called Trade Remade, mm. where they were remaking garments that they couldn't, that didn't have any real resale value. Yeah. You know? Um, or they ha- had a lot of like, you know, men's work shirts mm, and jeans mm. and stuff like that, that they get a lot of. Um, and we were man- making a small women's wear range called Trade Remade, which sold in some of their stores. So um, I did that for a couple of years. And that was amazing because yeah. it was kind of taking all the skills that I'd been really pushing myself, especially whilst I was in Spain, you know, really like learning to make more and more of my own clothes mm. Um and then it was like, then I just like, right, okay, well, I know how to do it. I've got to do it quickly now. You know? <laughs> and it was amazing. So I was using the skills that I, you know, had been working hard to, to, to achieve. Um, and then also in a way that I felt was not creating more waste in the world, you know? Mm, yeah. yeah. That was the aim anyway. <laughs> so why should we bother making our own clothes? 
Why should you bother making your own clothes? Um, only make your own clothes if it's something that appeals to you. Mm. <laughs> I wouldn't, it's like, it's, it's hard um, to begin with. And um, it, it's, you know, you need to buy some equipment mm. or you need to borrow some equipment or, you know, be donated some equipment. If it appeals to you, then do it. But I wouldn't say to anyone, you should make your own clothes. And I don't think that necessarily making your own clothes is a sustainable way of dressing. Interesting. There elements, yeah, there are elements of it that I would argue make it more sustainable than um, than buying like ready-to-wear clothes, for sure. So what's more sustainable about it? Well, I feel that especially as you tend to get a little bit older, you tend to know yourself better, don't you? Mm-hmm. You know your, you know, you know what you, and that's another really good thing about Me Made May. It's like, it really makes you focus on what do you actually wear? Like, yeah, mm. you may be wearing all, you know, making all these blouses and dresses, but actually in your day to day, maybe you wear t-shirts and sweatshirts and you only yeah. wear stretchy things. So you know, so, but there's lots of other kind of wardrobe architect and various challenges out there that can help you figure out what you actually wear, <laughs> you know, um, and then also what you would actually like to wear as well. Mm. And so when you make your own clothes, you have to make every single decision yourself, you know, you have to make the decision of what fabric to buy, what color fabric to buy, what style you want. Mm. Most sewing patterns have a few different views. So, you know, you have to make those decisions. You have to choose what buttons you get to really know yourself and what you like and how you want to present yourself to the world. And when you're making those decisions and making these garments that are, you know, you, they're expressing you be that, you know, on whatever level of consciousness, then those, you know, those things are, they're going to stay with you longer. You're going to feel more attached to them. So you're, I feel, I definitely feel Mm. a closer bond with the things that I've made, you know, than the things that I had either from before whilst I was still buying clothes or that I've, you know, found in charity shops and what have you. So I definitely think that because you've made all those decisions, they are more reflective of you. Yeah. Um, And then also when you're making clothes, especially for the vast majority of us who aren't like a standard size. Yes whatever you know all the way up and down one size most of us aren't aren't we and that's no 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 shade on our bodies that's just you know everyone Mm. is different and what is awesome about sewing and it's why a lot of people do get into sewing initially is that you can easily easily combine sizes okay or you know rather than having to alter the sleeve length Mm -hmm. make it shorter to begin with yes you know there are so many things that you can do to really customize those garments, not only stylistically, but also physically to fit you that, you know, they just fit you better. You want to wear them. You feel more comfortable. You feel yeah. a closer connection with them, you know? So what so are the, quite interesting that you said, you know, it's not necessarily the most sustainable thing. I think lots of us would imagine that like sewing our clothes is one of those things that, you know, you do when you're reaching peak green, you know, it's <laughs> like, um, uh, so what what are the unsustainable bits of it? Fabric is still fabric. Yeah. Fabric is still produced, it's dyed, it's finished, it's shipped around the world. Mm. You know, that's still fabric manufacturer is, you know, and the fiber manufacturer or growing is, you know, it's damaging no matter what that fabric then becomes, yeah. whether it's, you know, then cut up and sewn in a factory or if it's, you know, cut up and sewn at home. So mm. that is still an element. Um often as well when you're making 
uh, clothing at home, you're not getting as much use from a length of fabric yeah. as the equivalent would be, you know, when it's being mm. mass manufactured because the way that, um, you know, when you're creating things in bulk, you you know, the way that they tessellate pieces yeah. on large scales, they're creating a lot less waste yeah. than we do, sadly, when you're making your own clothing at home. Um, what else is not sustainable? I mean, it still takes electricity, you know, <laughs> using energy. Um, yeah. So, I mean, and yeah. then when you're done with it, it's still a garment, you know, it's still a thing that either is going to go to be recycled mm. or it's going to be donated or it's going to end up in landfill. You know, it's still, it's still a thing ultimately. But I guess, as you say, the fact that the fact that we've made it, like I made this skirt and I probably wore it twice, but my God, it stayed in my wardrobe because yes. I'm like, I made that. I don't want to like, and is exactly. anyone else really going to want it in the charity shop with my like exactly. crappy seams and, um, I mean, it takes, it takes time. That's the thing. So uh, often, you know, in the beginning, I've made so many terrible things out of <laughs> completely the wrong fabric, you know, and didn't wear them. But over the years, I've got better and better and I have fewer fails. You know, I'm yeah. better now at pairing a pattern with the right type of fabric. Right, yes. You know, I'm better at knowing. I know there's so many quirks about my body that I didn't learn until I started making my own clothes. Like I've got a naturally high waist, like mm. my... I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I made a few things. I was thinking, this isn't quite right. And then I read on, you know, read someone's blog post or something about that alteration. I'm like, all right, okay, let's try it. And then ever since, I always have to pinch out a couple of centimeters from the length of the torso of any pattern oh, that I'm okay. making. Yeah. And it makes things fit right. And that was like such a light bulb moment. Yeah. Like, so many makes me think of so many ready-to-wear garments I used to have that was always like ended up in a weird place because yeah. it was right for my body and now I can like offset that right from the start you know mm. those little things like my, I've got slightly forward sloping shoulders and I'm like a size 12 here but a 14 down here yeah, you know yeah, yeah. so many things so many things yeah. so um you touched on fast fashion and we're going to talk about your brilliant book which I've got here and I, <laughs> I don't know why I'm showing it to you because you know there it, it is Mend it, wear it, love it. Look, Zoe's got a copy as well. <laughs> like book buddies. Um, uh, it, it, it. Stitch your way to a sustainable wardrobe. Um, and you've got, we've touched on fast fashion very briefly, but I think one of the things, you know, I especially love is the fact that you've related this whole thing back to fast fashion. Yeah. So just for anyone who's like, mm, heard of fast fashion, I kind of know that some people are a bit snooty about Primark and H&M. Like, what's what's the problem with fast fashion? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Deep breath, everyone. Okay. <laughs> Buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say, it was it was quite a while ago that I wrote that I wrote that book. So the facts and figures are not fresh. Okay. But in broad brushstrokes, um, so the problem with fast fashion is that it is not made to last very long mm -hmm. so for example the as we discussed before like the fabric often um isn't going to last very long it's often gonna warp out of shape it's gonna pill which is those little bobbles you know mm -hmm. you get on places where your fab you know where your clothing rubs um yeah it's gonna crease it's going to you know it's not going. the fabric itself isn't very durable mm -hmm. Um, often because it's being made at very high speeds and at very low cost, things are not made, like the, the, the seam finishing and stuff isn't made to be very durable. Mm 
um it's not made so that you can alter it for example right. like yes. they've made so their seam allowances which you'll know from your sewing class <laughs> is uh you know in fast fashion it's very small because they want to minimize the amount of fabric used but mm. that means that with a, such a tiny um seam allowance it means those of us who like maybe you know need to let the, the garment out a little bit we can't do that mm. so um so it's not good from that sense it's also made that almost all of it is made in by uh workers that are receiving um you know less than minimum less than a living wage mm-hmm. i think it's something like only two percent of the 40 million garment and fabric workers out there only two percent are earning a living wage wow. and often they are working in horrendous and very dangerous um conditions mm. so you probably heard of the rana plaza tragedy mm. where um what was it about about 1100 people mm. lost their lives in, in bangladesh um because of the a collapse um of a factory that had a lot of oh, sorry of a building that had a lot of um fast fashion factories yeah. because yeah that it's yeah because the, the working conditions is 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 pretty dangerous and, and horrendous mm. and yeah. it's very hard for garment workers to unionize and campaign for improvements in 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 you know in stand in the, their wages and also in their you know the um sorry I've got a child peeking at me <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah so it's very hard for them to to unionize because they risk losing their jobs and also there's been reported and documented um acts of violence against wow. people that have tried to unionize and and make improvements um so so that's really bad <laughs> and then also in terms of the um fabric production as well um so just the sheer quantity as well. That's mm. the problem with fast fashion as well. It's like it's the sheer quantity that is being produced and is being mm. consumed. So all the problems that um, arise due to, um, you know, the, the production of synthetic fibres or the growing of natural fibres, um, that is just escalated, mm. you know. So in terms of um, cotton production, like the majority of, of garments have at least some cotton content in them, um, they that is an incredibly um, water, um, uses a lot of water, and that has been linked to the desert desertification. <laughs> desertification, yeah, 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 yeah. Is that right? Is that, way? Is that flying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the desertification of lots of areas, like for example, the Aral Sea mm. um, in the Middle East, and also parts of India. There's a lot of um, water is being um, diverted from some parts of India to the the, the cotton growing areas. You know, creating uh, desert re- areas. Yeah. And um, and what have you, and that's you know in a country where there's so many people that don't have safe drinking water, mm. um, yeah. And then and then for example, all the the fabric processing and the finishing, uh, lots of like a uh, lots of um, like toxic chemicals are used, mm. and also um, with the uh, the growing of um, of cotton, for example, there's a lot of pesticides and insecticides and fungicides that are used that um, often run off to, you know, surrounding areas. So it's not just the the garment workers and the fabric growing, sorry, the growers and that are affected. It's also the kind of the villages and towns that surround that. Often they leach into waterways. So you can't contain the damage that is Mm. being created. Um, And then, but I mean, pretty much every fibre that you can 
that is produced or grown has negative impacts yeah. you know so it's just a sheer the volume as well yeah. as the problem. yeah so we did say buckle up um the, <laughs> now not everybody is either going to want to sew their own clothes or have the confidence or ability or whatever to sew their own clothes or even the equipment but actually what you're focusing on in the book is sort of that mending and alterations yes and do you think everyone can do that Definitely. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, totally. I, as I say, I don't I don't necessarily regard sewing your own clothing as the most sustainable mm-hmm. way to dress yourself. I feel like the most sustainable way to dress yourself and your family is through secondhand garments. Yeah. Um, or even better, just literally what you already yeah. have. Yeah. And making that last as long as possible. Um, and then when little you know holes tears stains appear addressing those just to extend that life a little bit longer you know there's a stat isn't there and I can't remember who it's from but it's something like I think it's probably from fashion revolution that if if you extend the the life of a garment by just nine months you reduce its carbon and water footprint by about 20 to 30 percent like it's mad isn't it exactly and I think there was also a statistic that was the um I can't remember its source unfortunately but the I got the average amount of wares that a garment has these days is seven discarded no. <laughs> yeah so obviously that's kind of balanced out by some of us who wear things a lot and others that wear things only a couple of times but it's not hard to make your garment last a bit longer mm. you know yeah. it really isn't hard just you know you just gotta kind of it's, it's just a shift in mindset isn't it yes and um I interviewed um a lady called Ros who has a project called repair what you wear yes um, that was amazing I love that episode and just brilliant and the stats she has around I mean she's doing a sort of you know a lot of emphasis on school uniform and things and the stats she has around um you know how that's the, the number of garments school uniform garments that are discarded and often just because you know they needed a little mend and exactly. whether we feel like we're too busy or I think a lot of the time we just feel like that's that's not something people do anymore and yeah why on earth would I be able to do that and yeah. um but actually you know with books like yours it shows that it is totally achievable yeah. for everybody well, there's almost as well I mean I've definitely and this was part of the um that thing I had to almost trick myself out of it's almost this sense that when a garment comes from the shops it is this perfect thing and we are not allowed to mess with it in any mm. way and why it's just yeah. fabric and thread and yes we're allowed to touch our garments we're allowed to use them and we're allowed to change them and we're allowed to repair them yeah you know in fact we should be doing those things Mm, yeah and you know just really simple things like um um you know letting down hems or I'm trying to think what my kids have done with their um school because they'd often get um like the school jumpers will often go I'm pointing and nobody on the podcast yeah, can see, yeah, yeah. Um, under the armpit under the, arm. the, the yeah, seams come yeah. under the armpit don't they and literally you oh, know, the ribbing the starts to come away at the um and the cuffs the as well doesn't it yeah, yeah. and Which it literally you- like two minutes they chew them why do they do that um two minutes on the sewing machine and it's done and it's you know it's got another yeah, and that's going to last another term yeah 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 um so what's the but how how do we get everybody? Obviously, buy your book, and then how do we get everybody? <laughs> I mean, buy my book, or go on YouTube, or you know, there are so many resources. Or ask someone that knows, you know, how to show you. You know, there's, yeah. there's a lot of ways, depending on how, you know, how much time or effort, or you know, how 
you learn best yeah you know? um you need to have a few little things you need to have a small amount of equipment to begin with but you know getting a very basic mending kit it really is not expensive and it will save you money mm. really quickly so, so what do we need what's the basics so I'm just going to refer to my book <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely need a little you don't need a sewing machine I want to make that clear if you've got a sewing machine or you can borrow one that is wonderful Mm -hmm. and it does make some repairs a bit quicker yeah but it's not essential so don't want to feel people need to be splashing like hundreds of pounds yeah 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 um you're definitely going to need a little pack of needles Mm -hmm. um Preferably, you know, normally most little packs have a few little different sizes mm-hmm. for different jobs. Um, I find a tape measure is really useful, mm-hmm. but you can get those in a cracker often. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, some kind of, you know, a few different uh, colours of thread. Mm-hmm. I'd really advise, sometimes you get those little kits and you get I was going to say, yeah, that you get in the supermarket. Some, yeah, sometimes those threads, they're not very strong. Mm. So they're fine if you've got them, but as and when you need to buy a new colour yes. or something, um, I would recommend going to like a haberdasher's or mm-hmm. a sewing shop or something and getting one that's a, a well-known brand like Gutterman yeah. or Moon or Coats or something like that. Um, just because they're, they're stronger. So it just means your repair is going to last a bit longer. And does it matter if we get cotton or polyester? Um, some people argue that polyester is stronger than cotton. Okay. Um, there's a brand that I get from my local haberdashers that is cotton and I find it's just as strong as polyester. Oh, okay. So yeah. debate yeah. is, debate is open. <laughs> but generally, <laughs> some like, thread. Some but generally thread. if you get some thread and you can just give it a tug and if it doesn't snap, it's going to be yeah. okay. You know, yeah, brilliant. Um, so you'll need to, so I tend to have like, a, you know, like I have school uniform colors. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I find like black, gray, navy, yeah. red, jeans color yeah <laughs> you know, whatever jeans color is <laughs> you know yeah white cream you know just a yeah. few little threads um pins is super useful mm-hmm. for uh keeping things in place whilst you're stitching them you're going to yeah. need some kind of small um scissors or snips right but even sharp nail scissors, nail scissors fine, yeah. you know like you've probably got something you could use for that and then there's some other bits like a seam ripper can be really useful they're those like little funny hooks mm. they're literally like 50p from okay yeah um they can be useful safety pins but once again most people have got a few safety pins yeah um and some 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 kind of like fabric marking pen or tailor okay, yeah. or something can be useful for example if you're making um a patch to go over a hole you know you can like draw out the shape yeah. before you start to cut yeah and then so they're the basics really and then if you want to get a little bit kind of upgrading <laughs> some fabric scissors is really good if it's something that you think that you're going to do a lot of in mm-hmm. the future or you know you maybe you want to do some craft projects with your kids or what have you yeah it's really good to have a pair of scissors that are just for fabric mm-hmm. so fabric only not wrapping paper <laughs> not anything else <laughs> that can be good and an iron and an ironing board most people have got an iron and an ironing board anyway haven't they Whether yeah I have to really search for mine <laughs> That's the only time it comes really out useful, you know like just to really helps to set your uh yeah set your stitches and what have you um mm. and there's other bits and bobs you can get you know like eventually but you can kind of tend to get those by a project or project yeah. you know, project by project 
basis, you know, like some interfacing, which is mm. like a kind of fusible kind of fabric that can um, add some, some add some stability, yeah. you know, sort of worn areas. That can be really useful. Elastic, you know, depending what repair you're going to do. But you can buy those as and when you need mm. them. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. And I think um, for anyone who's thinking, oh, yeah, okay, but I'm never actually going to mend. Like I had this real mental block about mending. Um, like I said, I sort of learned to sew after our, our eldest was born. But still, like, if there's anything that needed mending, I would just put it in a pile for next time my mother-in-law came around. Like, I wouldn't even attempt to button. And I can't now think why. And I think it was just this idea that, oh, God, I could never possibly do that. It's some kind of dark art. If I do it, it will go wrong and it will fall off again. (laughs) Well, then Um, just have another go. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then I was like, really need to. So then when we did our year buying nothing new and I called the blog, like, my make, do and mend year, I was like, I'm really going to have to step up and mend (laughs) it. Yeah, you put it in the title. Yeah. So I started off with buttons and then, you know, the kids were of an age where they were just on their knees the whole time. I was probably on my knees the whole time. We had so many pairs of jeans. But I remember the first time um, trying to mend our eldest's jeans that had gone through the knees and literally having this like, oh my God, we're going to get reported to social services by nursery because I'm sending my child in in patched jeans and they're going to... So interesting, isn't like, it? Like, isn't that weird? And yeah. and I'd remember, I remembered seeing lots of kids with patches on their jeans when I was, you know, growing yeah. up in the yeah. 80s. Totally, but that's because clothes were more expensive then. Yeah, but Don't couldn't they? remember the last time I saw a child of my kids age with patches on their jeans and just that whole we're going to be judged for this everyone's going to think we're weird everyone's going to think we're poor like a lot of do you think there is still that sort of definitely definitely there is there definitely is and some people have you know bad memories Mm. associated with you know maybe being made fun of or something Mm. you know and I don't want to say that that's not real or that doesn't matter um I can only encourage people to have a go and see if you can challenge your own feelings yeah because actually you know I sent him to nursery nobody batted an eyelid nobody commented the the patch started to come off you can even get those cool like I I have always have a little stock of like if I go into a shop and they've got those you know the iron-on patch yeah you can get some such cool ones can't you yes yeah, yeah, I yeah. Have a little stash of those because that is the easiest thing, you know, before holes get too big, you know. I think, but once again, I think just going back to thinking about the problems with fast fashion and thinking about the disposability of clothing these days, reminding yourself why yes. can help you kind of get over that. Oh, but is it going to look weird? You know, just mm. think, oh, let's just remember why, yes. you know. Um, I, once again, I don't want to, I don't want to say that it's the, it's, you know, that there isn't any social connotations. Yeah. You know, I don't want to say that there's not that. And, but I think that that's something that can shift. Yes. I think we've proved time and time again that people's views around all sorts of elements of sustainability and stuff mm can and are shifting and I think yeah. this is just another yeah and I think sometimes it's that that fear of being judged but then actually like I said I did it nobody batted an eyelid um and and just doing that made me so much braver about you know then everybody in the family had patches on their jeans and I ended up with a pair of jeans that was you know more patched than jeans and I'd amazing. wear them I bet they looked amazing they did and I'd wear them to school 
and you know I'd be sitting next to someone in assembly and they'd go god I love your jeans and I'd go oh god yeah you know I mended them I'm really crap at sewing but actually I hadn't realized how in you know what a big issue fast fashion was and so and it's just a really nice in to yeah. have a gentle conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. with people and everybody has clothes yeah you know exactly. every, this is the thing like it's such an easy win to sew up a little hole yes. <laughs> and talk about it because literally everyone has clothes you know not everyone drives a car so you can't necessarily have conversations mm. about electric vehicles like I don't have a car for example yeah. so that's not a conversation I can be part of but everyone wears clothes everyone gets a hole or a stain yes. or a rip you know it's something that's so universal and so um yeah like you you know you can relate to that yeah so yeah and so what um oh it's completely gone out of my head what I was going to ask you I was talking about clothes and oh yeah where do you like visible mending is a real thing isn't it on Instagram if anybody is wanting a bit of inspiration look for the hashtag visible mending and there are some beautiful almost kind of like works of art but don't get intimidated yes that's what I would say because there are some that are just incredible like some just epic darning mm. and stuff that where people have managed to use different colors to make it almost look like tartan and stuff yeah and like, how that's art that's yes a lot of time a lot of skill and it doesn't have to be that complicated it yeah. can be the most simple thing it really and can I think that that made me braver in the fact that I'm nowhere near skilled enough to do an invisible mend but actually yeah. I can do it it can be a bit shit and a bit visible but actually that's kind of part of the point of it and do you know like the fact that I don't have to try and hide yeah. it and look like it's invisible but everyone knows it's not you know it's just like oh wow we can talk about that because it's there and I can see it and but I think um, also that you can add it adds a lot of personality to mm. you as well you know by the fabric you've chosen for that patch or by the color of the thread that you can mm. you, you've chosen so you can make your visible mend like it can still be on a spectrum of like glaringly obvious yes. I've used neon fabric for this. Yeah. To just like a little subtle, maybe I used red thread to, yes. to, to do that mm. rather than blue. Or, you yeah. know, once again, there's an absolute spectrum. And so if you're feeling a little bit intimidated by it all, go for that. I just chose a contrast thread yes. <laughs> section of the spectrum rather than I've chosen something really bold. Um, yeah. And practice. There's nothing to say that, you know, you have to go straight ahead with your garment. You know, if you've got a scrap of fabric or... Mm-hmm a garment that's well beyond repair just like practice your technique yeah. first like you know practice is everything isn't it really yeah. when it comes to it's just a, accruing new skills isn't it so you and the can, brilliant thing about hand sewing is you can do it in front of the telly very much very much I was also really good about mending clothes it's like when you've had that pile of clothes to mend and then you finally sit down and do it it's like you've got a whole new section of your wardrobe yeah. to reinforce. It's like you've been shopping, isn't it? Like, and also you put it off for so long and then you do it and you're like, that took me half an hour. Why Why did I put that off for so long? Yeah. <laughs> um, so if we've inspired people to have a bit of a go at mending and um, we've talked about all these reasons why, what's the easiest place to start? Oh, I would really just go for the low-hanging fruit. You know, don't sun, do no. anything like too dramatic. Don't go for that whole rip under the uh, inside thigh of your jeans or something straight right, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go for like the little hole on the cuff <laughs> of your jumper mm. or the loose button that's going to fall off soon. Like yes. just something very small. Something that's just been annoying you. Mm. And then, yeah, don't go for the, the full transformation straight away. Just, yeah. just, just like 
that little hole or so especially something that's kind of in a place we don't see it all the time as you say like the hole yeah under, under the armpit of the of the school jumper or the I always get the little holes in the cuff yeah 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 Bacardi or something something like that or yeah just just that button once again buttons practicing doing a button on a scrap piece of fabric first yeah a couple of you know give it a go and yeah, yeah use a book use YouTube just you know there's different people have different approaches as well yeah and the, the lovely thing you know with you say oh it's, it's just a button actually even just doing that can put that tiny bit of character into what could be a really dull work blouse or something because you can use a contrast you can use the same button that's just about to fall off in a different color thread or you can use yeah. a different button or you know and that's just well, like enough, I'm just looking right now once again this is going to be rubbish for a podcast but I've just noticed that my husband's one of my husband's work shirts it's got the little it's got some contrast thread oh. I didn't I didn't re-sew this on this is the yeah the manufacturer that's done that but it just gives it a little bit of character yeah so yeah yeah with little things like that if you want to but once again if you don't that's fine too just make yeah. it you know just pick the, a matching one but see yeah. once you've then figured out how to re-stitch on a button if you've got a boring cardi or a boring blouse or something mm. you can change all of them you yeah the buttons you know if you can as long as you make sure that you know the the buttons that you have chosen are the same size as the yeah. original you can create a whole new look on of a garment just by changing the buttons so it's it's some of those skills can then be used in different ways you know yeah yeah amazing thank you so much Zoe I feel like we could chat forever couldn't we um this has been brilliant so the book I'm just going to give it another plug mend it wear it love it stitch your way to a sustainable wardrobe by Zoe Edwards and we didn't even get on to talking about how because you wrote this in lockdown like me didn't you I had to write a book in lockdown and like you know the logistics of managing that with the kids around oh my goodness it was intense. There wasn't a day when I wasn't writing at some point. Definitely. Oh, God. Um, so I will post all the links to that. It's available in all the usual places. In I think it like- might be also, if you wouldn't mind, I just mentioned that it's also, not only has it got mending techniques, it's also got some simple ideas for altering clothes mm. that you're just a bit bored with. And it's also got some um, a big section about uh, caring for your clothes as well in terms of the laundry and the storage and yeah. uh, and things like that as well and um, I think my favorite bit is where you talk about putting pockets on things because we all need pockets <laughs> more pockets <laughs> so it really is just such a brilliant book for helping us to keep our clothes in in use and loving our clothes for longer which as we've just you know talked about is is a hugely important thing to do so thank you Zoe thank you thank for bringing you. your thank skills you so much. and really your nice to you. it's been lovely to talk to you been listening to Sustainable-ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale. Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small, every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Bye.